What would you do if you could do anything? I'm Elena, and welcome to The Purpose Effect, conversations with women about living lives of purpose. I speak to women who have started businesses, turned their passions or side hustles into careers, or dedicated their lives to helping others. In having these conversations, I'm learning how to identify purpose, how to go after it once you've found it, and what life looks like on the other side. If you're looking to dive into your purpose, these stories will definitely inspire you to take the plunge. Before we kick off this week's conversation, I wanted to share a message from one of our listeners about last week's episode with fertility guide Nina Ebsworth. Tina says, Nina's fertility story could have been mine. I completely understood the desperation she felt and the out-of-body experience of being totally fixated on being pregnant. I wish I'd had the support of someone like Nina back then. Thank you so much, Tina, for reaching out and leaving me that message. And for anyone else who is facing fertility challenges, please reach out to Nina on Instagram. She's at Nina Ebsworth or on her website, ninaebsworth.com. And all of the details on how to get to those places are in last week's uh, show notes. Quite a few of you have messaged me asking to hear from today's guest, fitness renaissance woman, Tracy Minok Nuku. So it just goes to show that if you ask, sometimes you get, and today the stars and schedules align, so you did. So please keep telling me who you want to hear from. Gym junkies in Malaysia will be familiar with Fire Station, the chain of fitness studios in Kuala Lumpur and Singapore that Tracy founded together with her husband, Dave. But even before Fire Station, Tracy was responsible for bringing the Les Mills workouts to gyms across Asia. Now, back in New Zealand, Tracy is looking at women's fitness and health in what she calls the third age, the years from 35 onwards, when our hormones and our bodies are going through huge changes. Tracy's podcast, Sexy Aging, dives into this topic much deeper, bringing together experts on midlife health and well-being from all around the world. Today, I'm lucky enough to have Tracy here on The Purpose Effect, where we talk about her career in fitness how she knows when an idea is worth pursuing, and what she is learning about women's bodies in the third age. Kia ora, Tracy. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast on The Purpose Effect. Really, really a pleasure to chat to you, and thank you so much for taking the time to do this. You are an extremely well-known face in the fitness industry, not just here in Malaysia, but throughout the Asia-Pacific region. And many, many gym bunnies here in KL would have found themselves in one of your classes at some point or in a class that you had helped design or create. And what I love about your classes is two things. First of all, you make such an effort to acknowledge everyone who's in your class and sort of check in with them throughout the class, see if there's any modifications they need. So I always felt super comfortable in your classes Um, (laughs) and also confident that I was going to get a really good workout for me, not me personally in, in the group setting. Um, and also that you seem to be having such a good time in your classes, which makes me and everybody else have a good time, even at, what was it, 6.45 a.m. in the morning at Ride. Yeah, how crazy is that? <laughs> yeah, so much energy. 6.45 in the morning really helps you. Uh, it's better than a coffee uh, in starting your day right. Uh, so you certainly embody someone who is really doing what they were supposed to do in the world. And I wanted to ask how you got into this. 
Yeah. Hey, kia ora, Eleanor, and thank you so much for having me on the podcast. And you've pretty much started off with a boomer question for me, which is, you know, you obviously love what you do, right? Yeah. And I feel like uh, when when you have you come onto a podcast and it's called the Purpose Effect, um, I just felt kind of validated around choosing fitness as a lifelong journey, and that would be my career. Um, so if I just kind of backtrack a little bit, like how did I stumble into the fitness industry um, as a student back at university? I did have a background in dance and triathlon, which is they're kind of like opposing things that you might do. People usually do just dance or just triathlon. Um, so I you know, really loved music, movement, and being out on a bike, going out for a run, swimming in the ocean. So those kind of things were really natural for me. And when I was at university, I was doing a physical education degree, and I um, also loved the university life, which included lots of socialization and partying. Yeah. And I put on put on weight for the first time ever, as in weight that wasn't comfortable to have on my body, like. I don't have a problem sort of gaining weight, losing weight. That's not really a big deal for me. But the problem was I was a student. I put on enough weight that I could no longer fit the clothes yeah. I had showed up with, that I would have to go and yeah. buy new clothes, and yeah. I couldn't afford it. I was a broke student. So I thought, well, what's probably the better way is to get back into the clothes that I've got. So I went along to Les Mills, which mm-hmm. is in Dunedin, and it's quite a, pl- a prolific brand. It's international brand, but they actually have the fitness clubs here in yeah. New Zealand. And I rocked up to one of the clubs, and at, in those days, they have the concession cards for the group classes. And I felt like, okay, that's probably something that I'd like to try. Mm-hmm. And I went along to a, what they call a jazz aerobics class back yeah. then, which is now probably known as body attack today. So it has that athletic style training. It's to the beat of the music and um, there's lots of push-ups and burpees, but it's, you know, choreographed to the music. Okay. So that's how it was back then, but it was called jazz aerobics. Anyway, I rocked up to the class. The teacher was awesome. I did the workout and I thought, what witchery is this? <laughs> <laughs> like, really, like, I mean, you know, from a dancer's perspective, if, you, if you've if you sort of watched dance or any kind of performance, they move from one move to the next and things are very rarely repeated, yeah. right? So, and then we repeat, we're repeating 16 high knee runs and then we're doing 16 jumping jacks. And I'm like, what is this? This is like, Boring. (laughs) So that was actually my first experience. But then I kept going because I liked the trainer and I loved her choice of music, which was actually Les Mills music. So I was only three classes in and she kind of shoulder tapped me and said, look, you, you obviously have a background in movement and would you consider training to be an instructor? And I thought, well, if I don't have to pay for a membership and if I can get it done by the time my 10 trip concession card has mm-hmm. run out, then yeah, sure. So as it turns out, I was picked up as a, um, an instructor and then sort of things went from there. I finished my degree. I went full-time into personal training. So it's like way back in the day when people didn't get personal yeah. trainers because they thought that was only for Madonna. Yeah. Um, but I managed to build up a really good client base that I that I kept for like, oh, I don't know, 10 years or so. Um, and also at that time sort of upskilled to um, become like a Les Mills trainer 
which tra- someone who trains people to teach classes. Okay. And I had quite a few overseas experiences with that role. Right. And it was the overseas part that got me really fired up because I was able to teach uh, Les Mills classes and to people that didn't speak English and it still worked out. <laughs> so, so whereabouts was that? Yeah, I went to um, Itaparica, Brazil, Argentina, Rio, um, and I launched um, Les Mills classes in places like Mexico, Cancun, um, and did some in Fiji. Yeah, just sort of got a taste for the opportunity to do Les Mills training overseas. And um, it was awesome. Had a great time. Thought, geez, I want more of this. And managed to um, have good conversations with people in Asia. Yeah. So I was kind of headhunted to come into Asia and set up the group fitness for Fitness First Asia. And they were very new back then. And they took on board the idea that putting in Les Mills classes might be one of the fastest ways to fill the studio and get trainers to teach. Because their training system was very simple to follow. Okay. Okay. So it was a case of uh, I just got married (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) to to my husband that I'm still married to, um, 20 years this year. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, He has come on this journey with me, which is quite awesome. He's a pretty cool guy. Um, And then we packed up everything we had, which was a lot of uh, athleisure wear, (laughs) (laughs) with with Les Mills branding, and we moved to Hong Kong. And that's where we were based, working for Fitness First. And so I just pretty much was on the road um, throughout Southeast Asia for consistently for about three years, just training. And the training is physical. So nine hours a day, you know, six days a week, um, in and out of Hong Kong and coming into Kuala Lumpur and Thailand and Philippines, Indonesia. So just going round and round and round and round until we got to a mass where there were maybe about, I don't know, 40 clubs. Yeah. Um, So you were training other trainers around the region and training training the trainers, right? Yeah. yeah, and then, yeah, training the club managers or the group fitness managers and how to manage the studios and what to look out for, what makes a good class, you know, how to do a timetable, how to train your team, how to recruit. Yeah. <laughs> so there was a whole – Everything. A lot more to it than – yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and um, and that was my background. It was just really, really cool to be able to do it in a different environment with different languages and different cultures. Uh, but it's pretty much the same thing. You put people into an exercise studio, you, you play kick-ass music in people's heaven, and you put a great – trainer in front of them and they will have a good time. So um, I did that for sort of five years Mm -hmm. with Fitness First and I also had a baby towards the back end of my time with them. So my daughter is now 16. Yeah. Um, And then I dropped the bomb on Dave and I said, yeah, I'm done with, (laughs) I'm done with working with Fitness First. I'm not done with them. I'm done in this role Mm -hmm. and I'd like to go back and study. Okay. So I did an MBA, um, and that took 18 months, and in that time, Les Mills came to me from Australia and said, would you set up a support office in Southeast Asia for an increasing amount of fitness clubs that want to have Les Mills? So that was, instead of just Fitness First, it would be anybody who wanted Les Mills classes. So at that stage, there were no Les Mills gyms in Asia. There still aren't any Les Mills Gyms, as yeah, far as I'm correct. aware, yeah. They, but you you can buy the classes uh, as like on a license program. 
I'm yes. guessing. So that's the international business that they offer is yeah. their training and their programs. So the gyms are just in New Zealand. And there's about eight or nine gyms and they're huge, yeah. massive, you know. You could get 300 people in a class. So it's pretty big, big, up, uh, big down here. I was going to say up here, big down here. Yeah. Down under. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so I helped set up the um, Les Mills business for Asia, um, brought on board 60 new trainers that would go out and do the training, especially in the, wow. the different languages. Mm-hmm. Um, that made sense to me. It was like, why would you have an English trainer when you've got a very competent Thai trainer who's yeah. shadowed me for years yeah. and knows exactly what I'm going to say? And they can do the training and they also represent that brand, be it Body Pump or Body Combat. They represent it so well. Yeah. So that was really enjoyable. And then um, Dave, my husband, as some people know, Dave, the, the, co- the founder of Fire Fitness, he decided he was going to do Fire Fitness. And right. I, that was a really good opportunity for me to also step into a space that I was really uncomfortable with. <laughs> which is Okay, Why? Um, co-founder and entrepreneur and, you know, putting all your money into a business kind of thing. Okay. Yeah. So you're now responsible for, you know, paying the team and paying the bills and doing all of that. Um, but it was amazing. So probably the best part about that, there's two things. No, I'm going to say everything's coming flooding back to me now when I think about it because it's, you know, not that long ago, but, um, probably the top three, um, special moments or special things. Number one, the trainer team, yeah, who were incredible. We were a, a fire family for sure, right from day one. They were amazing. Yeah. They were so supportive of one another, and they just came in, all guns blazing, to deliver like the most beautiful classes that they could. Yeah, and then of course the the fans. We call them fire fans. Mm-hmm. People that embraced. The idea of small group training, you yep. know, there was people that would come into our very first club, which was tiny, tiny, but I, yep. and go, where's the squat rack and where's the bench press and, <laughs> you know, what am I paying for? Yeah. Um, until they did a class. And yeah. I think that sort of made them realize, okay, I got it. Um, and then um, the third part was being able to be so creative. Yeah. You know, so being able to deliver on that thing that is my purpose, yeah. which is to bring joy through movement, to bring, you know, bring music and movement and just deliver joy on a daily basis. Um, and so that's kind of why we are here today, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Bringing joy through movement. It's so simple. It's so real. Yeah, it doesn't have to just be through exercise. I yeah. mean, you know, I get I get joy out of doing TikTok with my kids. Yeah, I've seen the videos. <laughs> there aren't many, by the way. There are just a, it's it's because not you know lack of time, and I want it to be awesome. But so I just go, oh, I'd just rather not. Yeah. Um, or just sitting on the beach, listening to my favorite playlist. You know, like I don't. It doesn't have to be all group fitness, you know, targeted. It could be, yeah, just out for a walk listening to my music. I mean, I find that I'm really creative if I put on a playlist that I want to maybe teach a class to and go for a run with that playlist. And I just feel it within me that there's going to be something really cool that happens in that class with that playlist. So, yeah. Yeah, and I just start choreographing. <laughs> I go off on this little tangent and I get all these moves in my head and sometimes some people are the recipients of those moves. <laughs> so, yeah it's, yeah, it's been really, really fun. 
So I just want to go back to um, what you were saying when you were talking about starting up fire and how it was so scary for you, partly because you were so all in, like this was your brand, your reputation and your financial investment. Was that one of the biggest professional risks you've taken? I think, um, no, I don't think so. I think leaving New Zealand is a big risk. Yeah. Because you just start, you're you're going into the unknown, you know. Yeah. But I I guess um, I backed myself though, you know. Like I knew I had the skills and I couldn't imagine myself staying. So I think when those things bubble up, and I was pretty young back then. I was only like 31. So just sort of knowing I had to go, I had to get out, and I had to give it a shot. Yeah. Um, that was quite a big professional risk, only in the way that I had kind of moved right to the top of the ranks in New Zealand mm-hmm. for the role and the things that I was doing. And I was getting lots of opportunity and travel and all that kind of stuff, even just from New Zealand. But to want to do more and to believe in myself that I could do more and to pursue it, that was that was a risk. A risk to walk away from a very secure job with yeah. Fitness First and go back into study with no income. Yeah. That's a risk. But it propelled me into the role that I had as the director for Lesmos Asia Pacific. Yeah. So I think that's kind of the message is like if I can't imagine doing the thing I was doing before because I want to do this new thing so badly and I can't sleep and I wake up every day and I feel like I've got to do it, i got to do it, I think that's the answer. You know, it's like that. that that's you, you, there should not be any – any more time or effort spent not doing that. (laughs) Yeah. So I think that's extremely helpful because many of um, our listeners are women who either have their own businesses, uh, new businesses, or women who are feeling like they want to change, that they can't do what they're doing anymore, but they're scared to start. So what's, what's your advice on how to deal with that fear? When you mentioned that, Eleanor, I just thought, I just had a massive rush of empathy. I 1,000% understand how people feel that way. I have felt that way many times, probably also this year with um, coming to New Zealand, not having the next career move, wondering what am I going to do with all this experience and knowledge, and also wondering, you know, is the fitness industry okay with someone of my vintage? Because if you look at marketing when it comes to fitness, you don't see people like me at all, (laughs) you know, really. So I started to really think about, okay, you know, how can I altruistically fulfill my purpose moving forward with everything that I've done but not go back to that space? So while I still... This is an example. So while I still teach a couple of classes, in fact, I got back on the bike for the first time today in nine months since I left Malaysia. Yeah, first class this morning. It was crazy. Amazing. Yeah, it was so fun. And it was a like a spin, a spin style class. Yes, it's it's a spinning workout, and I've uh, trademarked the name the Music Ride. Oh, cool. So. It's all about the music and it's how you ride to the beat and, um, you know, I've created a terrain that is unique and a little bit different to what I was doing before with fire. So it's okay. a really, it's a completely different workout. But, um, but yeah, so it's called the music ride and yeah, it's just about what resonates with me as a, as a trainer, as an instructor. Um, so where I was going with that is like, um, you know, I just, 
just didn't know how the fitness industry responds to someone of my vintage. But I'll just teach those two classes until maybe no one shows up or they kick me out or, (laughs) you know. And in the meantime, it fulfills my purpose and my joy, movement, music, good times, people in front of me, you know, that kind of thing. But I have been thinking, you know, for a couple of years around what my next move would be. And I always do kind of think that. I think, okay, where to from here? Where is the industry going as far as, um, you know, midlife woman? Yeah. And, you know, it came up to me that, hey, okay, so life begins at 40. We keep hearing that, you know, and now I know who I am and my body's awesome and I'm strong and I'm, this is who I am. If you don't like me, that I don't care. So that really goes with that whole turning 40. Mm -hmm. But then I'm at the, I'm at the other end of it. So I'm kind of thinking, okay, so does that still apply at 50? And oh, by the way, where's my workout? Yeah. Where's the workout that's good for midlife as in 50 and beyond because I'm not seeing it. So you're telling me I can go and do a 45 or a HIIT workout or, and those are the only workouts available for my body because I know that that's not good for me now, but I can't find the workouts. Yeah. I cannot find the workouts. So I started thinking, well, maybe that's my space. Yeah. That's the next, that's the place to move to. It's like, it is fitness. It is something I still love. I still love to help women. Yeah. So I've started studying again. And, um, you know, obviously the podcast that I, that I stopped, I started in January while I was in, um, oh, actually I started it in March this year. It went live, but I started the process of working out what I wanted to talk about in January while I was in managed isolation in New Zealand okay. when we first arrived. What a wonderful thing to do with your time. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, what else are you going to do? You're going to sit there and you yeah. can read books and watch Netflix and that. But I had this idea kind of churning over for like maybe 18 months. And, um, and I knew what I was going to call it, but I didn't really know what I was going to do with that. <laughs> It's yeah. kind of like, probably like you, Alan, Alan, you're probably yeah. thinking, you know, I want to do something. I'm not quite sure how I want to do it. And then it does start to pop and come to life, you know? Yeah. And then Sexy Aging was born. Sexy Aging was born. And you can't forget that name. And I've had a lot of people say that. So I think for women that are also wondering about their next move, it's that feeling. And When we get to this age, you really know, like those gut instincts are freaking yelling at you. And when you start thinking about an idea and you can't switch it off and you can't sleep because of it and you have to get up and write about it and you can't wait to get out of bed to start working on it, you know you're on to your next gig. And just don't look back. Get some really good people around you that believe in you, that know what you're capable of or and know your strengths and weaknesses and they'll just highlight that for you. So I, I just I do feel like I've been incredibly well supported on this next journey. Um, yeah. And yeah, I just sort of I can understand, especially women in midlife, that they may feel sidelined in their current career. Um, yeah. but their learnings and their experience is so strong and so vast that they just got to yeah. grab hold of that idea. And there's, I mean, it's amazing that there's, um, there's a, there's an increasing percentage of women in their midlife in their fifties taking on this, turning their side hustle into their main hustle. So it's pretty cool. <laughs> I think 
uh, it's really interesting to see some of the parallels between um, women in, in midlife and then women where I am, which is kind of at the start of what you call the, th- the third age. I'm yeah. 36. Yeah. And I think we're often taught as women that our bodies and the changes we go through between these various ages are a problem, particularly when it comes to work. I think you've talked in a previous podcast about women leaving the workforce because of perimenopausal and menopausal symptoms and having very little support and very little information. And something similar also happens, I think, when women become mothers. Mothers, but what yes. I've been, yeah. Um, and that's something that i certainly identify with. Um, And I'm reading now also, because the Olympics are on, that female athletes are considering the hormonal fluctuations in their cycles, their monthly cycles, in their training plans, and actually achieving huge benefits from this. So maybe these changes that we all go through that we've been conditioned to think are a problem are actually a superpower. Yeah, I love how you said that. And you are right on the money. You are right at the cutting edge of what's happening. So there is a doctor here in New Zealand, Dr. Stacey Sims, and she's mm-hmm. pretty well known. She's written a book called Raw, um, Me, uh, Women Are Not Small Men. Um, yep. And she is probably one of the leading um, physiologists in this space around training women through their cycle, their menstrual cycles. Mm -hmm. And also, she's also moved across into the menopause space as well, I've noticed. Um, She has a fantastic app that she's a a conglomerate of experts, an app called wild.ai for training. So. AI, yep. So if you love fitness training and you want to work it around your menstrual cycle and get the benefits and also to prevent injuries because injuries are much, much higher mm-hmm. at certain times of your cycle, um, then yeah, this is, this is what athletes are doing now and what they're learning. Really cool. Another really cool thing is that male trainers for these female athletes yeah. are also very up to speed with this information now. So that's exciting. I mean, they know how to train their female athletes and get the most out of it. It's pretty common here in New Zealand with, say, for example, um, the New Zealand female rugby teams, yeah. the New Zealand sevens teams, like they're the you know, Olympic champions, I yeah. can say that this yeah. week. But, you know, they're very, very open about the way they train and they train through their menstrual cycle and what they do and what they don't do. And it's actually just a normal conversation. So isn't that really exciting? Yeah, it's, it's so exciting. And I just want to um, also talk a little bit about what you've learned um, about hormonal health and training over the course. I mean, there's so much, right? There's so Every episode so of Sexy Aging tells me something new. And I'm so excited that um, finally we're starting to talk about this more. Or maybe it's just because I've started listening to your podcast, I'm more aware of it. <laughs> it's so great that we're starting to talk about this more because, as you say, like the fitness industry kind of stops you stop seeing representations of women at a certain age and we're all going to get older. We're living longer than we ever lived and we're living, uh, our longevity is improving. We're living well into old yeah. age. So we need to be thinking about what that means for, for our fitness and for our well-being. 
Yes. Um, well, thank you for listening to my podcast and congratulations for starting at 36 because it is appropriate um, from 35 onwards that yeah. your hormones would start changing and shifting. I wish I knew that back then, you know? So, and also that I, I'm not sure that I can, I, I, I never say that I am the expert in the space. I am the connector and I am the seeker. So if you do listen to the podcast, you can hear me literally asking the questions that are probably most women are thinking. And yeah. I am genuinely asking from a place of, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So can you help me? Because if you can help me, you're helping all my friends. Yeah. You know, that's kind of how I, I feel. And the other part to it is that because it is a space that has been left, you know, behind the dark, you know, in the dark room, nobody's going to talk about it. So taboo, so funny that you would go to, um, say, the pharmacy to pick up a prescription or talk to them about your, your experiences and they'll mouth the word hot flash. They won't say it out loud. (laughs) Absolutely hilarious. So I just sort of notice little things like that. And I'm like, oh, you mean perimenopause, you know? Um, So, you know, it's just the fact that I'm learning so much. I've literally jumped down the rabbit hole (laughs) unintentionally into this space. I I do want to make sure that women um, feel that they are seen, that they are heard, that they are valid and that's the whole sexy aging thing. Aging is a good thing. We need to get rid of the dirty word anti-aging. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I mean, it's always yeah. been a good thing for men, right? All of the yeah. words that are associated with, with men when they age, you know, words like experienced, wise, <laughs> knowledgeable. Yeah. And then with women, we have a whole bunch of words like crone, wrinkled, <laughs> You know, all of jowls. Yeah, jowls. You know, all of these things on our body that we need to fix. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So I'm really sad. It's it's so sad. And it's so, yeah, Yeah. it's so frustrating. I'm so glad that um, you are starting to talk about this. I also heard, and I think that you might have more to say about this. Many women, when they reach 40, you you mentioned it, talk about how the third age is the best one, that you have this huge feeling of self-acceptance and you finally feel comfortable with your place in the world and you start to be able to turn off the noise of other people's expectations of you. So as a woman who is uh, now a little bit further on in the third age than I am, what wisdom can you hand down to women like myself and, and women even younger than me about what to expect both physically but also mentally and emotionally as they move further into their third age? Yeah, that's an awesome question. So I remember in my early 40s feeling almost indestructible. Yeah. And when my hormones started shifting, which I didn't know what was going on, just like anyone else that's going to hit and listen to this, generally about 45, 46, something is going to go on that makes you go, oh, that's a bit odd, and you won't even think about it. But maybe now after us all talking about it, you'll be going, oh, you'll be looking for it. (laughs) Everyone's all of a sudden going to see it, feel it. Yeah. So this comes, so when we talk about the physical and the mental and emotional wellness, it all goes together. So the changes that happen physically are obviously hormonal, estrogen, progesterone changes, testosterone changes as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so physically there will be things that make you kind of feel like, oh, I don't feel quite on my game today. Yeah. Or you'll burst into tears for no reason or you'll 
you know, blow up at someone unnecessarily, mm-hmm. or you'll think about crashing the car. <laughs> you know, there'll be things that kind of mentally throw you off as well. Yeah. Um, and then those mental rattles happen more and more frequently. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you start to get sense of um, doubt, insecurity, uh, frustration, depression. Yeah. Um, and those things start to that, – that, that sort of happens towards the back end of the 40s. So when just to go back to when you say when you're in your 40s and you feel like, yeah, this is it, well, enjoy that for about four or five years. <laughs> okay. Then start to look for the changes and know how to meet them, yeah. you know, meet them head on because it's not the end because the best part is how much you know and how much you've learned. And I would say probably empathy and compassion, those two simple things, absolutely elevated and ramped up. I just couldn't imagine a life without feeling empathy and compassion for other people. I think it's probably one of the coolest things about being alive at 50. And like you've mentioned, you know, we're living longer. So these these parts of life just get better. Yeah. Um, also, the no bullshit. You know, yeah. Like you can just cut cut through it. And I used to think you'll you'll you might laugh about this. Maybe the audience, but I used to think that older woman that would go into the um, grocery store and stand in line and just start talking to anyone. I used to think that was a bit weird. But now I do that. Yeah. You're one of those women. <laughs> I'm one of those women and I do not care because if I, I I think I'm asking someone a genuine question or I've noticed their shoes and they look great and you know you've got a nice color lipstick on today and you know I'm just like why wouldn't I say that what have I got to lose you don't know me you know you don't know where I've come from and I'm just being polite and making conversations so you know those things where you just don't worry too much about what other people think and think I think that really does sink in towards the back end of your 40s. Whereas when you are 40, you're still sort of a little self-conscious, you know, but especially what, what your friends think, yeah. I think. Um, yeah. So by the time you're coming out the back end of that, um, yeah, by the time you're coming out the back end of that, um, you, you know, you, you've got a closer circle of friends and yeah. they'll let you know. <laughs> yeah. They'll let you know when there's something you're doing that really is weird or inappropriate. Um, but for oh, no, all the rest laugh of it, with who you. cares? Yeah, or they'll laugh with you. Yeah. <laughs> they'll laugh with you. Yeah. Yeah. I also wanted to talk a little bit about the work you do in supporting other women, particularly supporting other women professionally, because I know you mentor other women professionally. And I think that mm. this is a really interesting and telling thing about you because the fitness industry is not only very body conscious, it's also extremely competitive and an extremely competitive place for women. So I wanted to ask you, you know, how you got into that and how that feeds into your, into your purpose. Well, I was just really lucky that um, someone shoulder tapped me again for an organization called the Women in Fitness Association, which is a global association. Yeah. So it's based out of the US. And that was something I was actively seeking because you're right, the, the fitness industry can be quite competitive yeah. between females. Yeah. The other, the other part to it is as far as career progression goes, it's actually really difficult for a female to progress through towards the C-suite 
opportunities, you know, executive level, Mm -hmm. when there's very few opportunities for women in the fitness industry at that level. So there's that part to it as well. And so the whole point of being a part of this association was to be able to help younger women coming through the same experiences I had, but get them there faster or give them a different perspective. Yeah. So... I felt like I was getting as much out of it as they were because it was like, it was really nice to be able to draw on those experiences and have them say, oh yeah, yeah, that's happening to me too. And yeah, I'm not sure what to do with it. And just, and you know what to do, whether you did the right thing or the wrong thing at the time, you now know and you can share. So I've really, really enjoyed that. And, um, I'm still doing that kind of work today. Um, yeah, I, I, and if I actually come across a young female who seems to want to take on board some feedback or some support, then I just kind of do it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just do it. And yeah, and, and when I start to see them fly and really flourish, I just feel really proud of them. I don't need any affirmation for that. I was just like, yeah, you go, because at the end of the day, we're all doing the same thing, which is helping other people have a better, healthier life, you know? Yeah. I think that's a, that's a really important point. This idea of it's about collaboration, not competition. There's enough pie out there for everyone. And actually, um, we can all go a lot further if we work together to get there. We're not going to accomplish some of the bigger things on our own. Mm. And I think that's, that's correct. Yeah. I think that's really apparent in the kinds of women and the kinds of expertise and stories you're bringing together in sexy aging. Yeah, that's actually really amazing because I am meeting other podcasts who are doing very similar talks around midlife Mm -hmm. and we are bouncing off each other. We are basically bigging each other up for the cause. Yeah. And it's, and nobody is asking anything of anyone else. They're just like, Hey, I'd like to talk to you. And you know, I actually do something kind of funny, a little bit funky. I, I reach out to, someone that I'd like to interview. And before we started recording this, you and I were talking about, you know, the the caliber of my guests now yes. is actually like they're pretty freaking awesome. And yeah. I'm an, I'm a little bit in awe sometimes when I push, you know, um, let them into the Zoom, because I do Zoom, let them in yeah. to the Zoom room. And I'm a little bit like, oh my gosh, there they are. Yeah. <laughs> you know, have that moment. And then I just feel like, well, I'm representing all the other women who have exactly the same questions. So don't worry if, if this person thinks you're stupid, just go for it, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So I think it's, yeah, it's just, um, there you go, a bit of brain fog. Yeah. No, that's, um, that's, that's very helpful for me as well, I think, starting off on this journey. Oh, I know what I was going to say. Okay. Yeah, I um, I send a message to them through Instagram, yeah. um, kind of like how we connected, and yeah. I, I use a voice message, and if I reach out to someone who's got a really massive following business right into that space, and um, I send a voice message, and then they usually always send me a message back saying, you're a Kiwi. I love a Kiwi <laughs> voice. I'd love to be on your podcast. I'm like, yeah, that's that's my that's my winning moment. Is like, I'm going to keep doing that. <laughs> okay, so I have to try that. Although I 
don't really have much of a Kiwi accent anymore, although I'm sure that my listeners will probably say, it. yeah, it's, <laughs> it's because I'm talking to you. When I talk to other Kiwis, yeah. it just gets stronger and stronger and stronger. And before the end yeah. of the podcast, I'm probably going to have to have a transcription because no one will be able to understand us. We yeah. speak so fast. Um, and slow it down. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and slow it down. Yeah. So... In addition to starting and running all of these fitness businesses, um, even though you said that you felt very, uh, it was quite scary going into fire and, you know, putting everything behind that, to, to me, from my perspective, it seems like you've done this many, many times before. I mean, you, you basically, you've done so much work in launching the, the Les Mills brand throughout Asia. Um, you've also been involved in the establishment of some other fitness brands here in Malaysia. So I'm thinking of Fio and Epic. Um, yep. and, and now you've started a new business and a new brand for yourself with Sexy Aging. So yeah. you seem to be someone who is very good at when you want something to happen, you get it done. Okay, I don't know. No. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess yeah. When you when you frame it like that, and I look back on it, I can honestly say I feel proud. You know, I feel proud for those things that were done, and that so many people got so much joy out of it, and that we were able to help. Um, you know, yeah. trainers have a career. Um, get you know educate other people in fitness and health and and I do feel really proud of that and I um and I think it's just you know it's just fulfilling my purpose basically and but I think when it comes to perhaps you know starting something new it's yeah. really understanding who your market is yeah. and really speaking to them and and receiving their feedback so yeah. it's a two-way conversation so you can put a brand out there but you know it doesn't necessarily mean it's just going to fly you've no. got to do your your research and find out is this what people really want to know is this what they want to hear is this what they want to buy is this what they're prepared to pay for so I, I think it's like because I do really take time to listen yeah like I really listen and to what people want and what they want to do, but also just get out there and I learn and upskill myself all the time, you know, so I go out to see what fitness things are trending. Mm -hmm. For example, bar, yeah. right? So we launched bar in fire um, probably the last year that I was there and it just went off and that was, what was a real shame about that situation was we were only open for three weeks before we had to shut down for the first lockdown. Yeah. So, but um, it had already had a great following and that, that putting that bar program together was really just that I knew that it was a trending workout in the US and the UK. So mm -hmm. why not Asia, who do tend to follow what's happening in the US and the UK? Um, so it's just, you know, having that market research, but also kind of getting a feel for what people want. With programs like bar and some of the other programs, I actually tested those on an audience for like six months. <laughs> oh really? Before it went live, yeah, absolutely. I would run private classes, get groups of friends in, uh, get the trainers in, get their feedback. Yeah, you know, like I was doing the ride program in my garden. I had three body bikes in my garden. I'd have trainers come around two at a time to get an experience of that workout and tell me what they thought of it. So we were doing those kind of things, the market research before launching. It's not just like, oh, here, we're going to do this, you know? Yeah. Um, and it is based around what is trending and what is safe. Yeah. You know, that's important too. You know, people hurt themselves, can't come back, that kind of thing. I, I really, I really felt that in the various fire classes that, um, 
the classes were really well thought out. They were safe. You weren't trying to do things, for example, on the bike that could be dangerous. Um, yeah. You know, some of these more um, dance-type ride classes, I've done them a few times where you're doing push-ups on the on the bike, and I just wonder whether this is really – it's fun for sure, but is it really oh, good totally for your fun. body? No. <laughs> That's the short answer. It's just not. I mean, you've got to wonder why SoulCycle have so many lawsuits against them, but yeah. they're still a fabulous brand, and I've done their classes a few times and loved it. But, you know, just understanding that actually I probably can't do that workout every single day or yeah. more than twice a week for me personally just because of what it does to my lower back and my knees and my elbows, yeah. you know, the push-ups and the yeah. tricep push-ups and change and, and sort of switch, anyway, whatever, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, as long as people are still enjoying it. I think there's the big picture for me has been around knowing that there are moves that I would never compromise on, Right. Um, just knowing that's not what your body can do and that's not what it's good for. Yeah. Um, but also, you know, being accepting and understanding that there'll be someone that comes off the street into one of those dancified ride classes or mm-hmm. cycle classes and has the best time ever. And that might be the first time that they have actually worked out. And if that's the workout that makes them go back and make a difference to their lives, then that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Then it's done yeah. what it needs to do. It's done what it needs to do. Yeah. So then what are the next big things that you're seeing in terms of trends in the fitness industry? I've got my blinders on right now um, where I'm really focusing on midlife training. Right, yeah. Um, Yeah, I'm pulling together some training, piloting some stuff and um, creating a bit of a fempire. (laughs) A fempire, I love that word. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Um, because it is one of the fastest growing um, areas in fitness is, is, you know, what are we going to do with all these really fit 50-year-olds now? Um, How are we going to help them and how how they're going to make sure, how how they're going to make sure that they... um, that they, you know, have this longevity ahead of them. So is that what's next for you, building the vampire? Yeah. And there are things that are going on that are um, that I, I can't really reveal right now, but I'm, I'm really looking forward to, um, yeah, trying to make my mark in that space and make sure that people get well taken care of. Oh, well, I'm really looking forward to seeing what's coming out of, um, out of that space. So, um, yeah, thank you. Yeah. And thanks for your support. And so if anybody hasn't yet heard Sexy Aging, <laughs> yeah. uh, there's something there for everyone. Yeah, you should definitely tune in. I, I will be linking to Sexy Aging in the show notes of this podcast and also running a little bit of a promotion on my own Instagram page for it. So any of our listeners who have heard things here and would like like to know more, would like to know more about the conversations you're having about the third age, they can do so. Um, But before we wrap up, I just wanted to ask you one last question, and that would be, if you could go back in time and give a message to your younger self, what would it be? Um, just to ease up a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I do it a lot more now and I know that I do have this energy and this drive behind me, but mm-hmm. I feel like, yeah, I just, I probably don't take things quite so seriously now. And I think you've probably heard yeah. this before is that, you know, I put all my eggs in one basket and it did work out for me, but I wish that I had just been a little bit more <clears throat> flexible 
for example, and tried yep. a few different things, especially at a younger age. Um, I was very, yeah. you know, very focused and driven and stuff to go in one direction and to be more open to where the road might take me so I don't miss out on other things that would enhance my yeah. life. Okay. Well, thank you for that. That's that's a really good message. Actually, flexibility is something that we've been talking about quite a lot on the Purpose Effect, particularly because of the lockdowns, how this has yeah. shifted a lot of people's focus and a lot of people's ambitions haven't quite gone in the direction that they were hoping. So to be flexible and to trust that you will get there in time when it is the right moment for you. Yeah, this is this is true for sure. <laughs> okay, cool. Thanks so much for that, Tracy. Um, lovely to chat and um, all the best as things progress with uh, sexy aging and really looking forward to, to seeing what's going to come out of there next. Yeah, thanks for having me on the podcast. Take care. So I don't know about you guys, but I can't stop thinking about the vampire. What will this be? How do we join? I'm sure we'll find out what Tracy has in store for us very soon. But until then, if you want to hear more about health, hormones, and fitness in the third age, check out Tracy's podcast, Sexy Aging. It's available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever else you love listening to your podcasts. And I've also linked to it in the show notes. Once again, please rate, review, subscribe, and share with your friends. Keep your DMs and your comments coming, and you'll hear from me again next week. Bye.